0: Welcome to the second episode of the Next Candidate Podcast. Today I have with me a very special guest, Pastor Steve Mayo. He is both a church planter and evangelist and has done work in multiple countries across Southeast Asia and Oceania. Welcome, Pastor Steve.
1: Uh, Thank you, Jemima. It's a pleasure to be here with you today.
0: Now, you're both a minister, a Christian minister, as well as obviously a Christian yourself what role
1: does faith play in your life yeah uh, faith is central uh, to my life it's through faith in jesus christ that i consider i, I have life uh, apart from christ i would be plagued by guilt uh, by regret uh, by by sin but because of jesus christ and the sacrifice he made at the cross for me and and for For others and his resurrection, I know my sins are forgiven. I I don't worry about guilt. I don't worry about my future. I know I will always be with the Lord. So faith is is central to my life. I want to live my life in gratitude to him for all that he gave for
0: me. So obviously faith will definitely be part of not only your well-being, but the well-being of the people around you. What kind of um, negative impacts on both well-being like mentally and spiritually or any legal or practical hindrance of faith have on you or your congregants? You
1: talk about the restriction of of the free expression. Yeah, the
0: the legal or practical restriction.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Personally, uh, I I would feel oppressed if I did not have the freedom in my country, uh, freedom of conscience uh, to believe the the way that I'm convinced that I should believe, it, especially since the the belief system I hold to is codified in the world's best selling book, uh, the Holy Bible. Um, it's not something that has been made up. It's something that has has been of tremendous benefit to the world for for over two thousand years, and To be restricted from holding those beliefs or or expressing what the Bible so clearly teaches, quoting from the Bible, uh, would feel very oppressive to me and and would be stripping away freedoms that I I believe um, we are entitled to. So personally, I I would feel oppressed and I, I would feel that is unfair if other people are entitled to believe what they want, identify as they choose to identify. Why would I as a Christian not share in the same right, the same privilege? Why why would that be denied me? Professionally, it would be uh, quite damaging if if what we teach in our church uh, what we preach from the pulpit is is restricted by law uh, that we cannot teach the entirety of the bible then that takes away from the very integrity of the church that that i'm part of and i lead
0: so you mentioned um, it having a negative impact on your professional life as a pastor. Now, you've worked in multiple countries. Um, mm-hmm. Have you worked in countries where Christianity was either banned or severely restricted in practice?
1: I have, uh, although it's, it's, it's not always enforced. Uh, but yes, I, I have worked in countries where uh, Christianity is restricted.
0: Now, with the restrictions on Christianity, were they more social like we see in India where it's more so like people persecuting Christians or was it is it from more of a legal point of view like what we would see in China or North Korea where the Bible is practically banned or severely restricted? what do you believe has a stronger impact the societal Um, pressure to suppress Christianity, or the legal restriction on faith? Uh,
1: I think both have have an impact. Um, My my experience, I I have not been in those countries that uh, the the restriction comes from the government and is enforced by the government, but like you uh, referenced China and North Korea, that's that's certainly true in those countries. I, I have not worked in those countries. But I have worked in countries where it's, it's in the law, but it's not enforced. But it truly is enforced by the community, uh, that the way uh, the general community views Christians or, uh, or would oppress Christians, discrimination against Christians. I, I have worked in countries such as that. I think either one is, has a huge impact. Sometimes that impact, and I, I believe this is God uh, triumphing, ends up being the opposite. It it refines and strengthens the Christians. They, they have to hold very firmly to their beliefs to endure that uh, misrepresentation or even persecution. But um, the, the free exercise of religion is is a fundamental human right as far as I'm concerned.
0: In Australia, we don't currently have any specific active legislation to protect Christianity, although um, although we also don't have any specific legislation suppressing or restricting Christianity specifically. Um, what we saw in, I believe it was 2018, with Izzy Folaui, definitely prove that although we can't, the government can't legally discriminate against Christians, um, there is a societal push to discriminate against certain Christians who hold certain biblical views. Um, To counter this, there have been a few bills that have tried to pass various parliaments in New South Wales, Mark Latham, MLC. Introduced the Anti-Discrimination Amendment, Religious Freedoms and Equality Bill 2020, um, which didn't pass. The Liberal Party, Labour Party, Greens, the Nationals all opposed it. The only people who supported it were Mr. Latham, Mr um, Bonisac, Reverend and Nile, um, Mr. Bors, and Mr. Borzak. So and Mr. Roberts, Rod Roberts. Um, Other than that, everybody else in the New South Wales Parliament opposed that bill, which is quite shocking considering that I'm pretty confident more than 10% of people in New South Wales would support religious freedom. Similarly, on a federal level, the um, Religious Discrimination Bill 2021 was introduced by the government under Scott Morrison, but some of his Liberal MPs revolted against him and voted down the bill. Considering the Liberal Party is the Conservative Party in Australia, would you say their rejection of religious discrimination of religious freedoms shows that the skew to the left of our political compass has um, gone beyond what society would generally accept?
1: I definitely agree with you, Jemima. It has gone beyond. It's not representative of the general population. I'm personally disappointed that those who are, who proclaim themselves as the party to defend our freedoms have been at the forefront while in power, both the federal level, uh, though the liberal is no longer in power today, but continuing at the state level, have eroded the freedoms and have refused to protect freedoms that have been fundamental rights for Australians since the founding of this country. One thing I note is that at at both the state level and the federal level, the title of these bills is accurate, Religious Discrimination. And yet what's singled out are Christians. These bills are not Christian discrimination. This is about all religions. This is about the fundamental human right of conscience to believe as we choose to believe. And so it, it applies equally to Muslims, to Hindus, to Buddhists, to atheists, uh, to the whole range of religious thought. It's not just Christian. But in the debate, it's Christians that are singled out. Or in the case of Israel Palau, it's his, his paraphrasing of the Bible as a Christian that is singled out as as being so evil. Um, So I find that very disturbing that in an act of prejudice against Christians, our MPs are in essence refusing to protect the freedom of all religions, which then leaves a vacuum because who is going to be the one to determine what thoughts, what words, what expressions are acceptable and which ones are not.
0: It's quite shocking. Now, even if you look at a societal perspective on religious freedoms, if you look at Kate, um, like and just measure it by societal outrage, not just legislation. But um, last year, a women's AFL player had refused to wear a Pride Month jersey due to her Islamic belief. And obviously that's her prerogative, it's her right, it's her freedom of conscience. But the fact that didn't make the media and there's no public backlash for her refusing to wear it and compared to only a few weeks ago, seven manly Christian players who refused to wear the essentially the same jersey, they copped a tonne of online trolling, they copped a tonne of media um, backlash. Do you believe that... The hatred towards Christians specifically is stemmed through politicians and media personalities who specifically demonise the Christian faith over other religions, especially when it comes to topics of freedom of conscience.
1: It certainly looks that way, doesn't it? The, the example that you cited is is a, a very poignant one. Uh, why do you have the outcry when it's a Christian? but you don't have the outcry when it's someone who is of the Islamic faith, when they're both taking the same stand. I think there's a perception that Christianity has been the major religion in Australia and uh, remains the the largest of the the, the world religions. I'm talking about Christianity, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, um, of those four, Christianity is larger than the other three here in Australia. Um, that th- there is this kind of a, um, a ideological war singling out Christians that disrespects and ignores our history, the great social benefits that have come to our country because of the Judeo-Christian ethic that this country was founded upon. What is to happen with our country if we restrict the exercise of that ethic It's going to lead us in a bad direction, I'm afraid.
0: It's so true. And even if you look at um, our constitution and our legal structures and our high court and even our parliament, everything was built on the basis of the Bible. I've done a bit of research into it. And I feel as though even everyone always quotes the American Constitution as being founded on the Christian faith, which it was. But if you look at the Australian one too, I feel like it could even more so be the case. So really, if you want to, I believe the same people trying to destroy Christianity wants to destroy Australia as a nation, and the same people would like to do so in the US and the UK and other Western nations, generally also despise the origin of their nation, whether it be through colonisation or the monarchy in the UK. And they wanted it's not just Christianity they want to destroy. They also want to destroy government structures, such as capitalism and the parliament. Do you believe they're actually targeting the foundations of Australia and Christianity is in the way. So they want to destroy that too. And they really don't have a conscience themselves. So freedom of conscience has little effect on their perspective of life.
1: I I do believe that that is what's happening. Otherwise, it, it doesn't make any sense. Why Why go after Christianity when Christianity has long been a defender of conscience, the right of every man, every woman to to choose what he or she is going to believe. Why not allow ideas to be exchanged and debated out in society? Why do we restrict some voices and say, you're not allowed to speak? If my position is so right, so strong, then I don't need to fear others expressing their thoughts as well. Why, why not allow this free exchange? What, what, what we're giving up is not only freedom of religion, we're giving up freedom of speech.
0: hundred percent, because the notion of freedom of speech came from Christianity. If you look at um, Islam and Hinduism, all of them restrict the freedom of speech. And lots of people like saying, quoting the Crusades, as a reason why Christianity shouldn't be respected as a, religi- as a religion that promotes religious freedoms. But the Crusades weren't necessarily completed according to the Bible. It was more of a church tradition. So that argument is invalid. So the reduction of debate in Australia and the Western world is pro- has probably been enhanced by the reduction of religion, especially Christianity. Do you think that, like the fact that Christianity has been so open to everybody being free has almost backfired on it, It has almost stopped... It hasn't only allowed others to form their own opinions, but it has also stopped promoting their own views like on a mainstream level. Like lots of Christians say silent on several social issues in fear of being persecuted. Do you think that has had a negative effect on how Christianity is perceived?
1: I think that's part of it. Christians are at fault for allowing themselves to be silenced, Um, taking a back seat, becoming ashamed to express their views for fear of being rejected or being told you cannot say that. Uh, We must never allow that to happen. If, if, If the Bible is God's word, which we firmly believe it is, then God's word needs to be announced, his good news, the good news of salvation in Christ needs to be announced, whether people say it's acceptable, socially acceptable or not. Uh, We we, we cannot hold this to ourselves. So I I think you're right that 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 is part of the problem, that Christians have too easily allowed themselves to be silenced. And we should be speaking up. We have... have, uh, a viewpoint that's important to our society, and we should speak up on on things and be participants in politics, but not to the level of expecting that we will be the ones to control everything. Um, the separation of church and state is an important principle, and while we have a voice, we should not presuppose that anyone who disagrees with us must be oppressed. Uh, We must be defenders of freedom of speech, freedom of religion. And because we believe our position so strongly, uh, we should be unashamed to put it out there and let people consider whether or not they want to believe it or not.
0: Yeah, so we simply can't have double standards. If we want to promote freedom of religion and conscience for us, we have to allow for everyone else, even if we find ourselves in a position of power. Um, now, while Christians um, seem to not get much attention from the apparent conservative side of our political spectrum, um, the LGBTQIA2S+, plus I think I got that right, activists... Yeah. Um, have definitely not been silent on matters that they see important to them. And in Victoria and now what we're seeing in Tasmania, there have been bills that have been introduced to their parliaments and passed in Victoria. It's still being debated in Tasmania to ban um, apparent conversion therapy. Now, we all know conversion therapy in its traditional sense is pretty barbaric, and I'm pretty confident there won't be any, if many, if any at all, Christians in the world who would support what they, we saw in the Middle Ages. But um, if you look at the Victorian Bill and the Section 3, I think it was, yeah, 3A, they specifically said that it was any therapy, including ther- prayer-based therapies, And under another section, I can't remember the exact reference to it, but they said, openly said that it is with or without consent. So that essentially means in practice, if somebody from the LGBTQIA2S plus community has gone to a Christian minister and asked them to pray with them or any other religion, um, and they have, then they're in breach of this law. And the maximum penalty is actually 10 years of jail. So... Would you consider that to be a direct um, direct insult to Christianity, a direct restriction on the freedom of faith because prayer is written in the Bible. It's an obvious part of religion. and the fact they specifically mentioned it, I believe, did draw a line to religion specifically? Mm-hmm. Is that considered a religious legal restriction?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's an insult and a danger, not just to Christianity, but to all, all religion, all thought, uh, that freedom of conscience would not extend to freedom to convert. And it seems hypocritical to me as well. If that's going to be applied to, against a Christian who, in seeking to help someone biblically, to have a better life, and, and that engages in prayer for that person, and and say that that person subsequently converts to Jesus Christ and, and leaves their their LGBTQ um, lifestyle, then then shouldn't it also be reversed that if if LGBTQ seeks to convert a Christian out of being a Bible believer out of a, a morality uh, that is uh, one man for one woman for life, that's the definition of marriage, then if you're applying that restriction fairly, that too would be prohibited.
0: Yeah. I think and the I mean, whole thing's dangerous. A hundred percent. And if um, anybody were ever to even suggest that we do that on a legal front. Um, most people say no, that's a severe restriction. It's almost as though I don't know if it's the media or the school system or a mix of both have numbed people to the point in which they don't mind seeing people of faith, specifically Christians, restricted. But if you want to restrict any other group, especially one they count as marginalized, you're yeah. all of a sudden anti democracy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, we, we don't see a We don't see a campaign by Christians to to attack and to change LGBT people who believe in that lifestyle. But we do see the opposite happening. So there is a concerted effort to convert Christians out of Christianity and into this, this other sense of morality. So to... To say that we we we've got to have these laws to these conversion laws is is ignoring the fact of what is happening in society is not Christians it's the ones who are proposing these laws they they are seeking to force conversion on Christians and other religions it's not just Christians it, uh, now the, the courts might not apply it equally to Muslims but Muslims have the same the same view of morality and orthodox jews as well and, and many others um, if they are forcing us to live according to their beliefs which is the very thing that they say these laws are necessary to prevent us from doing we're not we're not doing that um people need to be voluntarily converted and if people want to voluntarily convert that should be their their right their freedom of conscience to do
0: and that's definitely the case. Um, as you would probably be aware, Mr Latham has um, put forward a parental rights bill through the, through the New South Wales Parliament that had failed in February this year. Again, the conservative side of our politics had refused to support it. And essentially the bill wanted parents to know whether or not their children were going to specific um, gender ideology Classes, which would be classes obviously supported by um, activists also pushing these conversion therapy laws. Now, that's definitely the case right now for Christian classes, and nobody opposes the fact that parental consent must be given for a student to go to scripture class, for example, because obviously it's the parents' right to choose what their children are taught, especially in primary school. But the same right wasn't given to parents who, whether they're Christian or agnostic, or even if they're atheists and they don't want their children exposed to these activist ideologies, that was rejected by our parliament, which which isn't necessarily representative of New South Wales as a state. But even if you just speak to people in the community, more people would be open to blocking Christianity out of classrooms than the LGBTQIA activists, which is quite shocking because you'd think, although Christianity might be against some people's worldviews, in essence, it's not really a... Da- like, the Judeo-Christian ethic is generally commonly understood as being a good thing for society, whether or not somebody supports it. There, it would be You'll be hard-pressed to find anybody, atheist or not, who disregards the um, societal benefit of the Judeo-Christian ethic. Do you believe that the restrictions on Christianity, especially through the school system, is like a push away from morality itself? Do they want us to almost not hold to the traditions of being nice to people and loving your neighbour and I feel like they're generally the leftist side of politics are more prominent in the field of hating people they disagree with. Would you say that the notion of love and respect which is promoted by the Judeo-Christian ethic has been rejected by the government and other people in the media and that's why they are pushing for an ideology that generally doesn't support morality or conscience or conscious objections?
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be the end result—that love and respect, marginalized and dismissed. I think that that our, our government has done us a disservice in not defending the fundamental human rights, but rather opening a door and facilitating what, in essence, is conversion therapy. When when you are pressing this ideology from preschool, it's happening very early, for early childhood education all the way up. And and this, unlike scripture, is not being taught by volunteers. It, it's being taught as part of the actual curriculum. So it has the authority of the teacher behind it. Whereas scripture teaching, it, it's a volunteer who comes in. It doesn't have the endorsement, the authority of the school behind it. So a, a limited amount of time, and like you said, uh, It has to have parental consent whereas this ideology parents are uh, in many ways um are kept from even knowing what's being taught
0: yeah now for anyone who might be watching this and think it's all a conspiracy and that this isn't being taught in our schools you can go to a website called the good society and it's all there it has the pre-k to 12 Curriculum on it and you can watch the exact videos being shown in New South Wales classrooms. I'll put that up on the screen So you can see it's definitely not a conspiracy No
1: No, it's a reality isn't it? I I Found it alarming that the police were called on that parent in the northern part of Sydney when he objected to the ideology that was being taught in the early childhood classroom
0: it's quite yeah, it's shocking. Just,
1: yeah. It's quite
0: shocking because, like, let's say the kind of ideology being taught to those students or mm. more what they call heteronormative. The police yeah. would be called on the daycare. That's what it would yeah. be like even five years ago. So it's yeah. been a massive swing to the other side. And even if you look at, like, drag queen story time or drag queen pu- almost... Right. presentations for children, it's absolutely revolting. And even five years ago, there'll be something that you'll have legal grounds to call the police on. Now opposing it will have the police called on you. Yeah,
1: that's right. Even, apart from religion, you have to look at child development and, and what good comes from exposing children to these mature themes uh, when they're so young. Uh, why not just let them be kids, let let them enjoy their, their innocence and, and have some maturity before they think about these things.
0: Yeah, even if you're an atheist and you fully support um, the ideologies, it's there's also age appropriate materials and it doesn't matter what the ideology is, mm-hmm. it should be respected and that's something that has been lost through both the school and media school system and um, commonly accepted media. Now, do you believe the current environment we find ourselves in in the Western world um, and the apparent hostility towards Christians, especially what we saw with Izzy Flaoui, do you believe it has the potential to eventually see parts of the Bible banned under apparent hate speech laws, like Israel Flaoui was allowed to be terminated and although he did win a court settlement, there wasn't really any precedence set there and the religious freedoms bill failed. So um, there is, hasn't really been much legal change. Do you believe that essentially he was paraphrasing the Bible? If that could get you fired, do you believe that the it will eventually lead to actual parts of the Bible and other religious texts being banned in Australia or banned in schools or banned yes. from public knowledge?
1: It's it's already happening. Uh, Israel Palau was the the public example, but out of the public eye, there are other people who similarly lost their jobs because of of uh, expressing their beliefs, uh, and and their belief being at odds with with what their employer believes. It used to be we res- we respected the freedom of conscience, but but now there isn't freedom of conscience. We also see that restriction on freedom of speech. Uh, I, one of the members of our church up in the Central Coast uh, teaches scripture at 11 different schools. She now has been told certain themes she's not allowed to to present in her lessons. But one of those themes is blood. You can make no reference to blood. Now, That's
0: a bit ridiculous because the movies yeah. they get you to watch in English um, oh, that's right. Definitely have a lot of blood in
1: them. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, you you cannot share the Christian message apart from the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus making atonement for our sin. So, so in essence, they've said you cannot teach the atonement. Well, that that's the central message of Christianity. Not, not that you know trying to be gruesome or anything, and. and And it doesn't have to be presented in a gruesome way. And I don't think it has been in Scripture classes. But to make reference to what the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or removal of sin. And and that's why Jesus died for us. But some of those themes now are restricted, and they're not allowed to teach those in Scripture class. So it's getting narrower, more more and more narrow of of what, what can be said.
0: Just to clarify, this was a scripture class that parents had consented for their children to go to. Therefore, there was both parental knowledge and consent to the class. Yeah, that's right. That's shocking because you'll think that if parents have said their children are allowed to do something, there shouldn't be any restriction as long as the parents know and agree to it. That's right. Which I believe they do have access to the curriculum.
1: They do. They do. That's... uh Required to to have public access to the curriculum so parents can look it up. They they can see exactly what's being taught
0: Yeah, that's really yeah, it's it's really sad how this has happened to Australia was known as the lucky country where we did have freedoms and we did have the generally international Acceptance that Australia was a very laid-back country. He did respect people and we did respect freedom of conscience it's almost like an attack on our identity as well as an attack on conscience and religion and everything else they seem to loathe they seem to really want to destroy the very foundation of the traditional Australian life even if it means destroying the right to conscience and other essential rights that we have in Australia
1: that's right that's right And, and it's this, this is one of the greatest countries on earth because of our foundation as a, a country built on freedoms. Um, removing those freedoms is going to remove the prosperity of this country.
0: 100%. And Australia is Christian. You don't have to be Christian. You don't even have to agree with any part of the Bible to acknowledge the obvious fact that Australia is a successful nation and the other historically accurate fact that all our foundations that have been so successful are built on the Christian faith. Like even in our federal parliament, our parliament still opens in a prayer and then it has the Lord's Prayer afterwards. Now Sue Lyons, the president of the Senate, has applied to have that removed. It looks like due to the backlash of, having it removed, the Labor Party won't proceed with attempting to change that, which is a mild relief. But Mm -hmm. even the fact that she thought Australia didn't need that part of our tradition anymore is quite disappointing considering she is part of the governing party. And if you look at the Lord's Prayer and the other prayer they say in Parliament, there's nothing controversial in it. It's just, it's essentially just praying that, you you do the right thing and make the right decisions and being thankful for what you have yeah now we've discussed legislation and the social pressures against christianity um and the decline of our nation what do you think we can do to protect religious freedoms both now as a short-term fix and in future for the long term
1: yeah it, it, is
0: it beyond repair
1: no it's, it's we should never give up i i think that what you're doing here with this podcast is part of the solution giving a voice uh, to uh defenders of freedom and not not just christians but but anyone who would be a defender of freedom i think participating in the political process is essential and and but i also think that preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, inviting men and women, boys and girls, to be relieved of their guilt, of their sin, to find life and real freedom um, in Christ is is the heart of what we need to be doing. Uh, That Australia, from the grassroots, would find
0: its voice for freedom. 100% and really in Australia, all our um, legislative and changes that we can see happens through grassroots democracy. So even people speaking out or joining a party or writing to their MP could eventually, you might just be one person now, but if um, there's thousands of one person then um, eventually we will see change and they can't silence the majority. So if we're the silent majority, we aren't getting anything done. But once we become the loud and vocal majority, well, it would be very, very hard to stop.
1: That's right. That's right. I I think there are excellent organisations that we should be supporting and and be participating with. I, I like the Australian Christian Lobby, for example, Uh, the Family First Party, and there are a variety of ways that that we can quite easily get involved, and we should.
0: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure um, both the Australian Christian Lobby and I believe Family Voice have active campaigns which require volunteers. So if you're listening to this and you want to get more involved in religious politics, you can... um, go to their websites and I'm pretty sure there's a volunteer button that you can press and you can get involved in there's several other parties. You can look through them. You can try to influence them. You can write to your MP. There's always something you can do. You're never just a single person. So that's how you can be part of the solution. Now, thank you Pastor Steve so much for coming on today and joining in my podcast and thank you for all the work you do both in the religious and um Church planting realms, and thank you for standing up for religious freedom, so future generations can thrive off the religious freedoms granted to our nation from the start. And we can only hope and pray it continues being that way. Thank you so much for joining.
1: Well, it's an honor to be a part of this, and Jemima, I I admire you. You're a true champion. Oh, thank
0: you. you. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you so much for watching this, um, the second episode of the Next Candidate podcast. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. This podcast will be played on Spotify and Apple. Please like, share, subscribe, repost it. Don't just send a link to a few specific people. We didn't say anything too controversial. You shouldn't be cancelled. And I'll see you in episode three.